0: Welcome to Afternoons with Bill Arnold. I'm the Bill Arnold part of that sentence. If you've not memorized Hebrews 4.12, I encourage you to do so. For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. That is a powerful, powerful verse. I highly encourage you to memorize that. And we are going to be talking about... uh, the thoughts and intents of a man's heart. and Nobody better than Vince Miller, who's in my studio. So we're going to bring him on in just uh, about a minute. And he's got a new book out, which I can't wait to talk about with him. It is called uh, Seven Challenges Men Encounter. And it's a, a really, it's a small group uh, study. So all the guys get one, and you go through seven challenges men encounter Now, I'm guessing we're going to get through all seven here coming up in the next uh, 20 minutes, so no need to buy the book. Sorry, Vince. He's looking to be like, no, 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 that's not how it works. Perfect, man, perfect. (laughs) I love it, I love it. All right, let me take 60 seconds and bring on Vince.
1: Faith Radio has a long history of presenting gifted preachers delivering God's Word daily across our stations. But all of these messages were first delivered in the local church, where these pastors shepherded their flocks, in addition to having a radio ministry. So during Clergy Appreciation Month, we are especially honored to recognize and thank the thousands of pastors across our communities who faithfully serve their congregations and many of our listeners week by week. We thank you for your commitment to the gospel and God's word and for your diligence and study and compassion and caring for your church. We're grateful to play a supporting role in helping your church family stay focused on the Lord and his word. And we believe in the power of the gospel to change lives and pray that you will be fully equipped to do this vital work in your congregation and community. Pastors, we honor you. And even though Faith Radio is a listener-supported ministry and relies on your gifts, we encourage you to give to your local church first. They're worthy of your investment and involvement, and we want to see the local church strong.
0: All right, my friend Vince Miller is in studio, and let me tell you a little bit about him. He is a good man. He speaks to men all around the country. He's written a lot of books, and he is passionate about what he is doing and making the world a better place for men, because men need other men, don't they, Vince? Oh, yeah, we need... Um, in a serious way. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah, yeah, we need them in a, a
2: relational way. We need to have brothers in our life. Um, we need people to hold us accountable the whole bit. But, yeah. We're scared of other dudes for some reason sometimes. Totally. And when you start to isolate and
0: drift away from fellowship, you're in trouble, aren't you?
2: Yeah, well, that's a remedy for disaster, right? Mm-hmm. For yeah. any man. I'm not just talking about relationships with your wife or friend or whatever. You just need brothers in your life that can really speak to you. Right.
0: And how do you find these brothers? I mean,
2: it's not it's not as easy as it sounds. No, it's uh, it actually, you have to really boil it down to really simple things like uh, go ask a guy out for a coffee, a lunch, uh, something like that, and then just build a relationship yeah. with there and, and start having just dialogue about life. Uh, if you've got some form of like uh, chemistry, meaning that you have a connection with this dude, then just keep meeting, keep building the relationship because guys, we we keep things pretty superficial in our life. We like to talk about... The sports mm-hmm. about the happenings of the weather today, such as it's nice outside. Twins Whatever. lost last night. Yeah, I know. Did not, you know that? Uh, yeah, I don't want to talk about I it. Don't I don't want to think anybody does. <laughs> <No>. <laughs> That's for sure. We can just ignore that superficial conversation. Move yeah. on want other important things. Yeah,
0: men are hungry. Men are hungry to be uh, more vulnerable and open, and to be seen by other men in a transparent way.
2: Yeah, I think
0: so. That scares them to death. Yeah, if they want.
2: I think they want it deep down. I think they don't know how to get there because yeah. they've never been taught how to be vulnerable appropriately. Mm-hmm. Like there's a, there's there's guys I know that go way over the top with their vulnerability, and we kind of like want to stay away from them. Yeah. And then there's the guys that never share; they're yeah. completely superficial. Uh, we got to find balance
0: on this mm-hmm. stuff. And what do you do with really... guys that come up to you at speaking engagements and they're a little bit over the top with their vulnerability? Oh, that's a that's a challenging one. I, I'm sure I, I, it I is. do
2: listen. I do of listen. I engage. But I also have to kind of find my limits and say, look, there's, you know, other guys I need to spend some time with here as well that that are not approaching me, that Mm -hmm. I know that I need to go talk to. Mm -hmm. Um, It it just, you know, the one-on-one thing with guys is really the approach, I think. That's why I encourage small group engagement. One on one with some other guy because it's easy to determine the time, it's easy to determine the topics, it's easy to kind of take small steps into a relationship with another guy. Mm-hmm. And uh, when when you've never experienced that before, especially on the spiritual continuum, you know when it talks when we're talking about a spiritual context, it's it's like foreign ground to guys. Yeah. So we got to really push them to say take one step.
0: I went to a men's uh, conference years ago, and there were about four hundred men in the room, and the question was asked: How many came to faith in Christ because one other man, one other person got one-on-one with you, and I think every hand but about ten went up.
2: Yeah. Isn't it crazy? Yeah. Yeah. A Crowd evangelism uh, makes sense in our minds sometimes, but that one-on-one relationship is the the context for asking all the hard questions, digging into all the heavy subjects, yeah. and then actually getting answers to our specific issues that we have regarding faith, life, marriage, business, culture, religion, politics, whatever it might be. That's where we want to ask those questions. We don't want to be embarrassed by a group or break anybody else's confidentiality or share everything that's going on in our life as well, because we're kind of ashamed of some things in mm-hmm. our life, to be quite honest.
0: I want to talk about your book, but before, I want to just mention that a listener named Jeff said, I saw Vince Saturday, gave a great message, and I like hearing him on your show.
2: Yeah, shout out to Jeff. I remember shout we out. had
0: a we had a conversation. He listens to your program all the time. That's really nice. Yeah, I asked him I like why. That. He said he you loved asked it. Asked him why. Yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and well, unfortunately, we don't have time to talk about your book, but. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, yeah. it's been great. <laughs> all right, uh, seven challenges men encounter.
2: Give me one. Uh, you know, uh, the first one clearly reject passivity. Uh, I think this is the the big one. Um, reject passivity. Reject. Passivity. What does that mean? Uh, well, you know, I just think guys are, are very passive regarding issues in their life. Uh, they're, they're passive regarding things that they need to speak up about. Uh, they're passive regarding sin that they have in their life. They're, they're passive towards standing up for injustice. Uh, I think passivity is where all of our issues begin. It's actually, I think, where sin is birthed.
0: Sin is birthed and through passivity? Yeah, through a man who does nothing That's and says really, nothing. That's really, really smart. Yeah, That's a really wise observation, because I think that's 100% true.
2: Yeah, it, you know, we get all kind of quirky about sin, and we try to fix sin. We shouldn't. It, it, right? Yeah. Sin is not new. Uh, every manifestation of sin that you'll ever want to see is prevalent in the world today. We shouldn't be shocked by it. Yeah. People sin. I'm a sinner, you're a sinner, you know, we all make mistakes. But uh, the issues that are preemptive to this, are one of them, I believe the big one is passivity, is understanding that God has a call in your life that he wants you to speak up, that he's given you commandments, that he's given you rules, uh, that he's given you even an impulse for leadership. And then in that space, you do nothing and say nothing. We have to learn to reject passivity passivity in our marriages regarding issues we need to face, passivity regarding our finances and the issues we need to face there, passivity regarding our own personal sin. Mm -hmm. I I think this is where the the birth of sin happened clearly in Genesis chapter 3 was a man just did nothing and said nothing. Do you talk this
0: wise when you have speaking engagements? Yeah, this. is impressive. Do
2: you like this? This is why Jeff likes you so much, why he liked you. (laughs) Well, he's listening
0: on your show, man. I think
2: you're producing great content. Thank you.
0: all right, let me ask you this. Mm-hmm. When we talk about passivity, and I've been saying this on the show the last week or so, that if you have a a, a low view of sin, you're going to have a low view of obedience.
2: Yeah, exactly. If you have a
0: high view of obedience, you're going to have a higher view of sin. Because people go, well, has sin but eh, you know? Yeah. They're, they're passing it off. And so, no, 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 have a high view of obedience and you're going to respond differently. Yeah, exactly.
2: Well, if you have a high view of, you have a high understanding or a high view of sin, you have a high understanding of the glorification of God too, right? right? And, you know, we, we um, you know, these, these issues that manifest ourselves, we, we tend to want to diminish them or pretend that they're not there, or turn a blind eye to them, right? Or mm-hmm. just kind of do the status quo. And uh, we can't do that. I think God has a high calling on our lives, men and women. Uh, and so men need to reject passivity. Absolutely. Yeah. I believe it with all my heart. That's where it all begins. Reject yeah. passivity, and you've yeah. got a man who is willing to go the next step in his relationship. What's
0: one thing a man could do tonight that would be a step towards rejecting passivity? It would be a tangible
1: yeah, exercise.
2: A, a super
0: tangible exercise.
2: Yeah. Here's what I'd do. I'd reflect on your day. Okay. consider something that you didn't take action on that you feel that God was convicting you to take action okay. on. It could be in your marriage, in your business, in your leadership, in your personal devotion, and then act on that immediately. Put no space between it. Say, okay, I need to apologize to this person. I'm going to pick up the phone right now. I'm going to act on it.
0: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Learning to act on those, like uh, the, the the motivation of the spirit there, right, when you're prompted, and then doing it immediately is what it looks like to reject passivity. Now, some people get concerned about, okay, now I'm taking action in my life. What if I'm taking the wrong action? I say, that's okay. It's better to take the wrong action and learn from it than to do nothing, Mm -hmm. right? Because all all we need to have more sin in this life is for great men, great women to do nothing in the face of injustice and sin. And if you want to allow sin to just continue, just do nothing. That's just it. But then act on it immediately. So
0: anyway, Mm -hmm. that's what I would
2: do. That's a problem with men today? Uh, I I think so. I I would say, you know, I've had to learn how to fight the impulse of passivity in my own life. You know, Mm -hmm. every once in a while, God says, you know, Vince, you need to deal with this issue with, you know, your kids. You need to deal with this issue in your own sin life. You need to deal with this issue in your marriage. Like Mm -hmm. when prompted, I feel more and more called every day that life is short. And that God wants me to lean into those things. Mm. And so acting on it promptly, like just saying, I'm going to stop my day. I'm going to
0: deal with this issue. I like. All right. Vince Miller in studio. Uh, if you have a question, let us know. We, we'd take it. Um, and Vince would a- would answer it. 877-933-2484. 877-933-2484. He's written a book called Seven Challenges Men Encounter. We got one down. Let's see, We've got uh, carry the one. I don't know if we're going to get through them. I don't know. But we'll try. We'll try. Get yeah. back in a minute. Welcome back to the show. Vince Miller's in the studio. He founded Resolute, and the website is bresolute.org. B resolute.org All right, he's written a book called Seven Challenges Men Encounter. Passivity was number one. Well, give me another one, Vince. Ah, uh, accept responsibility. How about that one? That's a biggie. Ooh.
2: That's a biggie. Yeah. Uh, so we, don't play the victim, in other words. Yeah, we you know don't we, spread we're... it around uh we Own can it. we can be a victim or we can be a victor right and uh, we have a choice there and uh you know i when i grew up in uh, california i was kind of a witness to um the victim mentality you know i mm-hmm. would say we were, when, during my childhood there was a lot of that victim mentality happening on the news where just everybody's a victim of something i got a speeding ticket i was a victim of the traffic moving too quickly <laughs> you know i mean everybody's got a an excuse uh, when it comes to accepting responsibility right
0: Absolutely. Yeah. All right, how about an, another one? Because I want to try to get through a bunch of these. You want to get through all of them, no, don't you? No, not necessarily, but I'd like to get through a bunch of them.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I think, uh, well, first off, let me just say this. I think accepting responsibility is part of a man building courage in his life. Um, mm-hmm. I think it's per- perhaps one of the biggest ones just simply because uh, we shirk from responsibility all the time. So I think this is a big second next to... Um, uh, rejecting passivity, but the next one is leading courageously. And so, uh, we, we all need courage in our life, right? But we need to lean into that. And I, I think there's moments when I lack courage. Uh, I lack, uh, the ability to, uh, take a courageous next step in a positive direction. And so, uh, leading courageously is a big part of, I think, um, of face the challenges that we face as dudes. So,
1: mm-hmm. um,
0: Leading courageously. How about just leading it all? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, yeah, seriously, exactly. I mean, sometimes no. leadership is a is a problem. Yeah.
2: Well, and you know, we're all called to lead uh, to some at you know to some extent. For example, I think some men disqualify themselves from leadership because they feel like they ain't got a talent that isn't of consequence in life. Never but, stop me. Yeah. Well, exactly. And we all <laughs> have a skill, <laughs> right? We all have a skill that God has given us that He wants us to use to bless the yeah. kingdom in some way. And we just got to stop. Disqualifying ourselves from yeah. the task, we've got to lean into it. We've got to say, look, I am called to lead in this way and I'm going to steward this in an appropriate way, whether it's one talent or 10, right? Mm-hmm. Just lean into it and, and be courageous with it. This is exactly uh, what um, I believe... Moses was trying to pass to Joshua, what uh, Joshua was trying to pass to his proteges, what David was trying to pass to his son, right, Solomon, was this understanding of be strong and courageous, do not be afraid. I think that's so interesting of all the things that some of these great leaders could pass on to their proteges. They don't say, you know, follow the Ten Commandments. They don't say that. They just say, lean in to an understanding of a fear of God. Yeah, that's and powerful. trust him and be courageous. Just be courageous. There's something about this uh, emotional wherewithal that has actually more to do with us understanding all these other peripheral issues such as God's rules and his commandments and it's like it was, we we're trying to fortify this understanding of emotional fortitude in a person's life to lean into
0: every challenge you're going to face. Mm-hmm. I've always said I'm, you know, uniquely unqualified for most jobs. So yeah. well, you, you have to say to God, without your strength and power, I got nothing.
2: Yeah, exactly. And you're going to face moments of fear, right? Like you're not going to know what to do at every turn. Like you and I don't know what to do at every single turn. No, not even kind of. Yeah, right, exactly. And you're you're constantly humbled and you have to keep turning into this courage. that's a God-fearing courage. It's not about you being courageous in your own strength. It's understanding that God's going to be there for me uh, when I'm running into the battle.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Right, that's encouraging. It's really yeah. good, inspirational stuff. Yeah, Vince, let me ask you what number four is because we're we're doing we're yeah. making good progress. Okay, uh, love unconditionally. What does that, about mean, that? Who can do that? Except oh, boy. God?
2: Yeah, and this is a tough one. You know, I think uh, I think you got a good point there. Who can do it besides God? Um, because you know, when we hear love unconditionally, we don't even understand what that means. I, I don't. Mean, we're taught from a very young age to love conditionally, right? Right. We are because we're kind of given, uh, triggers and rewards. So even as a kid, you're said, do this, then you'll get this, do this, then you'll get this. And we're taught, we're, we're almost, um, um, I would say, tuned into the fact that we're going to be rewarded if we do something right. And unfortunately, when we come into contact with God's love, we have to undo all that wiring, right? Everything that's built into us uh, physically and into all of our thinking is this uh, idea that I'm going to be rewarded if I do something good. And then for me to be loved first by God unconditionally is almost a, it's, it's difficult for our minds to even conceive. But then to ask me to go love somebody else unconditionally when I don't even know how to receive unconditional love from God, mm-hmm. like that becomes almost impossible for guys. And so I think guys need to learn how to be loved conditionally and then love, uh, be loved <laughs> unconditionally and then learn how to love others mm-hmm. in that same way. Because when we do that, we are the most like God.
0: When our hearts get a little bit hardened, Vince, it gets harder to receive love. Mm-hmm. And don't we? All have a little bit of a crusty shell around the heart oh. when it comes to just fighting it out in the world and yeah. you know just trying to get out there and, and yeah. make a living and, yeah. and you know
2: we're, we're all wounded in different ways i think that's yeah. why jesus tells the story of the prodigal son right there's two sons there both whose hearts are hard or wounded in different ways mm-hmm. you know one is selfish Right, and the other one is self centered you know, and so you see these two different sons acting out their own hardships and own pa- their own pains and their own crusty shell, as you mm-hmm. would call it in very different ways, but yet the father loves them both, he loves them both equally, right, but they're both unwilling to receive his love in their own unique ways, mm-hmm. right, and each one of us had probably been a younger son, and we're probably going to be an older son
0: too, and that 's a hard journey.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But we have to learn to receive that unconditional love. Would,
0: would identity be tied into this concept of unconditional love? Because if you if you don't know who you are, in, you're never going to know who you are fully till you know who you are in Christ.
2: Yeah, that is the ultimate
0: challenge, isn't I, yeah, it? I mean, I, like our, our identity challenge, you know, men
2: go through these different phases and stages of life, and I say this to guys all the time, there's five men we are, there's The man that we think that we are, (laughs) the legend in my own mind. Yes, indeed. Then there's the man that other people think that we are, right? And then there's the man that we think that other people think that we
0: are. (laughs) 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 Then there's the man
2: that we actually are, which Uh is broken and sinful. We usually get there. And then there's the man that we are in Christ, and yeah. I think we're trying to get to this fifth man, but we hear these other four voices and they're very loud, right? We hear them through the ages and stages of life, right? Uh-huh. And we're trying to get to this last voice. And I call that the identity challenge, like trying to live in that identity every single day is the hardest thing to do because there's all these other voices shouting to us about who we think we are and who others people think mm-hmm. we are and who we think we are in our own mind. and what other people think about us. I mean, it's just crazy. We've yeah. got all these voices. Right? See if
0: we can do one more before we run out of time.
2: What
1: Which we... one? Yeah, well,
0: okay. Do you have number six ready yeah. to go? Let's do number six, serve humbly.
2: Um, I, I think this is perhaps the pride challenge is perhaps the greatest challenge I think for dudes. We manifest pride in so many different ways. We are so good at pride uh, we are so good at patting ourselves on the own back on our own, uh, on our own back and, and it manifests itself in all kinds of ugly ways uh, by manufacturing you know who we think that we are uh, to other people it 's hard for us to understand what humility means. And I believe service brings this out. Mm-hmm. When we truly are thinking about not ourselves at all, we're actually just thinking about another person purely, and we learn how to serve that person with no self-interest. Oh my goodness, that is that is that is the uh, that in the enemy hates this when we do this because it actually diminishes pride when we're serving humbly, regardless of whoever it is.
0: Vince, do you think that there's a, men struggle with? serving at this level because i even hear the expression and this makes me chuckle is servant leadership and and i don't know if you find those yeah. words together to be uh, powerful or a little funny to me because yeah. can't you just be a servant yeah. why do you have to throw the word leadership in can't you just serve
2: yeah it feels like a bait and twist doesn't it, well, it feels feel, like an oxymoron i feel almost. like i'm
0: do you feel more important if the word leadership is attached to that
2: you know I th- I think some people uh use the whole idea of servitude as a leadership principle and I get it but uh you know when I when I read the New Testament and specifically Paul he's constantly referring to himself at the beginning of the book as a servant a slave and a subject Right of Jesus Christ. Yeah. It's not a leadership principle. There's no leadership there. It's an identity right. issue. And I actually think he keeps re- uh, repeating that. This is my own kind of hypothesis, but I think he keeps repeating it because I think pride was probably one of his big sins. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he keeps repeating it to reinforce it to himself. Like, look, here's my position. I was once the Pharisee of Pharisees, the Roman of Romans. I was the leader of the free world, essentially, politically. But now I am just this, and this is my identity, and it's not nothing. It's very significant in God's eyes, and I'm going to live it out for the remainder of my days. And so, yeah, I don't I don't think... Uh, uh, servitude is a, a leadership principle solely. I think it's an identity issue. And uh, if we can focus on it that way and serve humbly, really truly serve humbly without getting anything in return,
0: wow, doesn't have anything to and do with without, leadership at and all. And without talking about it. Yeah, you without know? being proud about it. right? Yeah, it's like, you know, I was at the grocery store today and I was helping this whole lady across the parking lot. It's like, you know, I'm already looking for, you yeah. know, an attaboy from you. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Why can't you just do it and just keep your mouth shut? Yeah. Just do it and move on, right? Yeah. Yeah. Vince, thanks for coming in. Thanks, Vince. Vince Miller's been my guest. Be org is his website. He's got lots of uh, resources there. And the book we've been chatting about is uh, Seven Challenges Men Encounter. Look at that. I remembered it. Thank you, buddy. I remembered it by heart. <laughs> Let me take a break and I can escort uh, Vince out of the building uh, just for security reasons. And then... Uh, I'll talk to Fuad Masri. He's coming in up next. Glad when I get a chance to speak to Fuad Masri. He is the founder of the Crescent Project. They've got a big event coming up in Nashville. I want to say it's um, this month, October 22 through 24 in Nashville. And although we don't have um, listeners necessarily in that market, we have listeners that listen on the Faith Radio app all over the country. And I've got like uh, 25 friends living in Nashville right now, which I need to call and say, Hey, you need to go to this conference. Boy, welcome back to the show. Thank you. Great to be with you. Yeah, thank you. You're getting excited for Uncharted, boldly yes, following sir. Jesus. Tell me about
3: that. Yes, it's exciting that you're going to tell your friends, too. I will tell my friends. We have moved. Yeah. I'm, taking moved off. I'm, I'm taking
0: them off my Christmas card list if they don't go.
3: <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> there are It's fun, Uh, we are trying to focus the church in America on the real issues, the hot stuff that are really important for us. The most important thing for us as believers is the kingdom of Jesus. He is our savior, he is our guide, he's our leader. And today more than ever, we're seeing Muslims very open to the gospel, very curious about Jesus. And they are very uh, much in the spiritual uh, limbo. They look at Islam and they have questions. Is Islam the real answer today? Is Islam a political religion or a spiritual religion? Um, What is the true Islam? The Shia, the Sunni, the Sufis? You know, it's just creating a lot of questions in their heart. So our event is called Uncharted, Boldly Following Jesus. This is year 26 as Crescent Project reaching out to Muslims with love um, and sharing with them the good news. And we wanted to share a little bit with the church leadership, with church members, that when we follow Jesus, we have to be bold. But when we follow him, it's not charted. He will take us places where we're not expected and great uh, uh, places. What is
0: the Muslim word for the Bible?
3: It's Injil, uh, comes from the root word eh, "evangelion." The "g" sound okay. is it "j" sound? Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. It's usually the Injil. And the fun part that uh, we were shocked as believers when we look at the Muslim world in the 1960s, in the uh, 1980s, in the 1990s. We started in '93. We never thought that we will see such a hunger. I'm not saying that everybody we talk to is receiving Christ, but there's such a hunger like never before. We always see people take Bibles. We even, Muslims even ask us to pray for them. Mm. And the news from Iran just came out that right now they are the fastest growing uh, underground church. And in spite of the government being against Christianity, in spite of the government closing and persecuting believers imagine in the 21st century there are still countries that says it's illegal to read a bible it's illegal to go to a church building or to visit a christian person to tell you about their faith Uh, you cannot baptize somebody who's a muslim in many countries and you think it's the 21st century there are mosques everywhere in europe and america in latin america yet churches are being forbidden to be building a building. I mean, we know the church is the people, and that's how the church is growing, and that's why we use the title uncharted. We never thought that God will use uh, the regime of Iran to create a hunger in Iranian people, and others. Many people are watching Libya, Algeria, Tunisia, Morocco, Egypt, you know, Sudan, uh, and they're watching the now Yemen and uh, Turkey. And Muslims are asking very important questions. What does it mean to be a religious person? What does it mean to follow God? Uh, Does it, you know?
0: It is just so thrilling to hear this. And again, uh, anyone driving home from a rough day at work would hear that news that the underground church in Iran is the fastest growing church. And I I would think we'd all want to honk our horns and go, this is such great, great news.
3: We well, praise God for his move because it's moving like the book of Acts. It's uh, it's in um, house churches in people we uh, our annual conference even in Europe attracted people from uh, the church in Iran and um, our event in Nashville from 22-24th to 24th, we have Andy Bannister coming from uh, the United Kingdom to share with us how to build bridges with our Muslim neighbors. But the next person speaking is an Iranian pastor who's speaking on how we can stay the course, and uh, he's going to share how the church in Iran has seen growth due to the fact that they trusted God, not outside people, didn't matter who's coming from outside or not. This is their movement. They love Jesus. It's the Jesus movement in their country. And I love this because the church of Jesus Christ, the family of Jesus, will look different whether... In America, it's going to be different than in Scotland. It's going to be different in Africa. It's going to be different in Asia. So I love this, uh, what God is uh, doing. And it is another affirmation to boldly follow our Savior, not look back.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, Allah, that's the Arabic word for God and is, um, is uh, written in all the Arabic Bibles, Correct.
3: Yes, the, the Arabic Bible, when it was translated, we use Allah and we also use Rabb. Uh, both are um, from Hebrew okay. root. Okay. And uh, the Arabic language, most people think it's an old language, really not. Uh, it's what they call modern language. It borrows yeah. from Hindu, from the Indian language, from the Hebrew language, from Persian and Greek uh, like English borrows from a lot. English mm-hmm. borrows from Latin and
0: yeah. Would and, um, you other. would you be so kind as to explain what Muslims how Muslims understand Allah?
3: Sure, absolutely. In Islam, the word Islam means to surrender. A Muslim is someone who surrendered. So, in the in the concept of Islam, religion is not only something you do in a building. Religion. Uh, permeates all aspects of your life. It's very much like the biblical teaching of Jesus, that the gospel permeates everything. So, yes, Jesus is not a politician, but he, as a Christian, it affects you as a politician, as a businessman, as a believer in Christ, your lifestyle is changed. Or the same way Muslims feel that Islam is a lifestyle change. So it affects everything. However, in Islam... God is seen as the master, and you're the slave. Mm. So your highest thing you could do in Islam is to obey. And these days, they are so curious to know about the gospel because they are reading, they are watching television, satellite television, they're hearing radio, they're going on YouTube, and they're noticing that the Christian faith is different. We don't look at God as master, but we see him as heavenly father. And it's a very powerful imagery for Muslims, because God is transcendent, God doesn 't really care, there are certain things you must do to appease him, whether it 's the salat or the wudu, or even they have things they have to do in the hadith that they will tell you if you do this, you know chances are God will give you a baraka a blessing while in the gospel we have the blessing god is our father he loves us whether it's rain or shine whether i'm in a country that has freedom of religion or a country that has persecution of uh, believers in jesus jesus is with me my heavenly father will never leave me nor forsake me so this is the the, the attractive of the gospel in um, it's amazing how i was talking to uh, a kurdish believer uh, and she said to me the following: She said, "When I discovered that I can call Allah, God, the, the God of the universe, as I call Him, my Father in heaven, it changed everything her view. It became that God is our friend, God is our redeemer, uh, God is is with us. And this is something uh, in Islam they cannot see God in that way. And he's not a father. He's the master. He's the king. He's the judge." Uh, he's the punisher. Uh, so uh, in Islam, you are feeding God out of punishment, while in, in the Bible, we fear God out of wisdom, out of respect. Uh, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, because he is the God of the universe.
0: I appreciate that, uh, Fuad, very much. So maybe you would share with uh, me and my listeners about how most Muslims, what their definition of Christian is?
3: Yeah, thanks. Uh, Many times, this is one of the biggest hurdles for us when we try to build bridges and answer questions. Many times, Muslims ask questions that you and I, as Christians, feel like they're strange questions. It's because they are misinformed. So number one, the Bible is banned in majority of Muslim countries. Some countries now are trying to look better, so they're trying to create these interfaith centers, which is fine. It's just usually they touch a few hundred people. So when you talk about 1.7 billion Muslims uh, from Indonesia, Pakistan, Algeria, Libya, their view about Christians and who Jesus is is not correct. Uh, Most Muslims are taught that Jesus was born under a palm tree, which for us is strange because what happened to the manger, what happened to the angels, to the shepherds, to the kings, uh, the magi, all that is not there. So you can tell that the story of Jesus is not complete at all in their mind. Second, their view of Christians is everything that comes from the West. So everything that comes from the West is a Christian thing, whether it's a movie or a book or a magazine. So many times when you're talking to Muslims, there is a false narrative, false information. Uh, I remember a student uh, told me they don't want to become believers and Christians because we worship three gods. And I said, oh, what three gods? And the response was, we worship God the Father, Mary the Mother, and Jesus the Baby. And it was shocking because they they you know and and first thing you think oh maybe they're talking about the theological concept called the trinity they are not even there they're just talking about a sexual act between god and mary and a baby and offspring which is a very insulting to the christian faith that's we never we never thought that and this is an insult it's a disgrace to even think that way and so they accuse us of this kind of faulty thinking mm. and that is not true so for a Muslim, when they meet a Christian, they see, of, see us as uh, maybe uh, people who are uh, worshipping humans, or uh, we are people who don't know true religion. Uh, many times you talk to Muslim, they feel, oh, they are superior because they have the right religion, and we are inferior because we don't have the right religion. So uh, in your conversation, you find yourself answering strange questions because they have faulty information. Um, A friend of mine is a pastor in the state of Indiana, and their neighbor was from Turkey. And when the Turkish neighbor discovered that the neighbor is a pastor, he asked him, he said said to him, you know, why do Christians eat uh, bread and fish every Sunday? And the pastor was surprised with the question. He says, no, it's usually the bread and the juice in the the cup uh, to remember the Last Supper. And he says, uh, no, I thought you guys eat bread and fish. And the pastor asked, why do you think, you know, this man is is in his 40s, a businessman? He said, well, when I was 12 years old, my dad took me to Istanbul, and there was a Catholic church. And as I entered, there was a painting of Jesus holding a bread basket and a a fish basket, you know, a, a basket full of bread and a basket full of fish. So he thought that's what we do, that our Sundays is to eat fish and bread mm. on Sundays. And and for you and I as listeners and and your listeners, as we hear the story, it gets a little bit like, you know, funny for a second. Then you think, wow, we are in the 21st century, the age of the information age and the age of accessibility of the information. And they don't know the simple story of Jesus feeding uh, the 5,000, and wow. Jesus being at 7,000, and Jesus walking on water. I tell people, if Muslims don't want to believe in Jesus, they don't have to believe in Jesus. That's fine. They don't want to follow Christ. It's okay. But let them know the story. I mean, you know, it's this is the basic thing in this day and age. Uh, you know, everybody's learning about Islam, what they believe. Well, why not learn about what Jesus taught, uh, that he walked on water, and he stopped the storms, and he re- rose the dead. And he himself rose from the dead. So uh, this is where, that's number one issue. The other issue for us in America is many times Muslims come to the United States and they're very lonely. And many times people ask me, why do they congregate? Well, because they're lonely. They don't have friends. Uh, very few American believers have friends who are from Muslim countries. Uh, I'm not saying it's easy. I'm not saying that... Uh, this is something, uh, you know, can be happening, flip and switch. But Jesus says, we are to welcome the stranger. Jesus says, you are my ambassador. Jesus says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. It doesn't matter if my neighbor is from United States or from outside. So uh, this is very important for us during the conference, Uncharted, is to help yeah, Christians Pastors and church leaders rethink how we can bless the community. How can we bless the people in our community, especially if they are Muslims? Mm-hmm. And this is the power that we have. I like it. Fuad, well, let me take a little break. My guest is Fuad Mazri.
0: His uh, website is crescentproject.org. We're chatting about uh, how to understand and relate to Muslims when it comes to sharing faith. And he also has a a conference coming up in October 22 to 24. You can check it out at crescentproject.org. We'll be right back. Masri is my guest. His website is crescentproject.org. So, Fuad, if I were to chat with a Muslim—I know they're, you know, religious people, they don't hesitate to talk about their religion with others—if I said to a a Muslim, what do you think will happen to you when you die? What would be the standard response?
3: Yes, very, very very powerful question. Uh, The number one thing we need to understand when we talk to Muslims, is they base the life on the works-based salvation, which means God keeps track of everything. And the Bible in the Torah approves that. The Bible in the Torah says for everything is uncovered in the heart of God. However, the Bible says no one can pay enough good works to erase sin. So the the from the beginning, from the Ten Commandments, when it was given, by Moses, right after that, the sacrificial uh, system was put. Whether it's a dove or a or the Yom Kippur or a Passover or even the 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 sacri- daily sacrifices. When you come to Islam, Islam has that struggle. They say we are trying to, when we die, to make sure we have more good works than bad works. At face value, it sounds logical. However. As you dig deep, you discover my good works are not good enough for a holy God. When I steal or kill or lie or cheat, I am insulting God's law. I'm insulting God Almighty. And so what's happening to Muslims today, they're discovering that Islam doesn't answer the real question, how can I say to God, because I went to the mosque, because I gave to the poor, because I did my ablution, that should erase my sin of insulting God Almighty. It doesn't make sense, it's not same value. It's like it's like uh, borrowing a million dollars, and then when you spend it, you return only one dollar, and you expect the person who loaned you the million to say, oh, okay, you're fine. Mm-hmm. It, the system doesn't work uh, when you wanna use work salvation. So that's what's making more and more Muslims curious And so when you ask them what happens when they die, they say, well, there's a scale, uh, and uh, we hope our good works outweigh our bad. Some might go as far, and they talk about the torture of the grave. That's in the traditions. Uh, Not everybody necessarily knows this, but there's this fear of the grave. And that's why our conference and even our bridge study, our resources are all on how to begin a conversation and then how to end it. So my uh, a, a conversation with my Muslim friend is not about spending time proving Islam is wrong as much as I wanna spend time showing the beauty of Jesus. So Christ comes in and saves us from the penalty of sin, absolutely. But then there's a beautiful concept in the Bible, which is the power of the resurrection. That Christ in his power of the res- resurrection changes who we are. The Christian faith is not a mental exercise or a game that we play every Sunday, or, or the Christian faith is not a set of rules and traditions. The Christian faith is that you take Jesus and a word Christian means Christ in the person. Christ renews our value system, renews our heart, renews our attitudes, renews our actions. So yes, we're not perfect people, but we are godly people. We are seeking God. We are seeking Him in our words and our actions. And that's the power of the good news. So your question is very important. When you say, hey, what's going to happen when you die? You're going to have a ton of different responses, but the base of it is, well, I hope I did enough good works to cover my bad, while for us in the gospel it says, no, all our works are not worthy Mm -hmm. of God Almighty. Uh, Flood, if I'm
0: Engaged with a, a Muslim, is it good for me to share my personal testimony? Is that a valuable uh, piece of of uh, sharing Christ? It, it certainly is in the Western world. I mean, yes. Is it's, it with it's, uh, is it with Muslims yeah. as well? I mean, because they've come from a very different worldview and concept of God, and so it, would it be important that I share my personal story because their God is not that personal?
3: It's very important to. Uh, start by if a brief uh, set of beliefs, so for example, I say you know in in the in the Bible, it says, we have to worship one God, and it says that all people must be judged now once I say that the person listening is like, Oh yeah, I agree with that, then I could transition to my testimony, and I usually share how I hated Palestinians because they killed my friend, Walid mm-hmm. at age 18. How I hated the Jewish people because I have cousins who fought on the Golan Heights. And then I share how God changed my heart. So I started praying for the Jewish people and praying for the Palestinians because what I saw that Christ loves all people. So God changed my heart. You know, this is not something I went to a store to buy. This change didn't happen because I went to school. It happened when I knelt in my room, and I ask God to change me. And so when you share, when I share this, the the Muslim person is now listening because the faith of the gospel is no longer just a set of beliefs. Although this is true, like we believe in one God, we believe in one Savior, we believe in the Holy Spirit, we believe in one family. The Christian faith is a family made up of all races. And so uh, it's important to share that, and I would spend, you know, the time to share it if the person's listening. But uh, but when I share my story, my personal story, it brings it down to real action right now. What does my faith do to me as a person? Uh, it's not about, you know, all, we, all Muslims are together against, you know, some kind of agenda or, you know, we're banding together against, the you know, whatever, the president of Syria or, you know, when you go to the Middle East, that's what happens. You got all these factions, Islamic factions, and they're all banding together against something. The Christian faith is different. It's changing you as a person. And that's that's where I believe is the the key to change society, is you must change the individual. Mm-hmm. You cannot change society if you do not change the individual.
0: So obviously, you never want to try to win an argument because you want to lead someone to Christ. So that's goal always when any kind of evangelism um, so just in the time we've got left we've got only a couple of minutes left um, maybe you would just uh, give our listeners a little word of encouragement just to be patient um, and loving and maybe they've had bad experiences with Christians and you know things that you should just keep in your mind as you're speaking to the people from Muslim yes. faith.
3: Yes, thank you. I mean, one of the struggles as in, uh, when I was a young believer is that sometimes uh, Christians will fail you. And sometimes uh, Christians will fail you. Sometimes Christians, you know, don't behave Christ-like. And what made me grow spiritually is my focus on my relationship with Jesus. Mm-hmm. So the, the first challenge for us is we are here because we love Jesus. It doesn't matter. Who else wants to love Jesus? Even if I was the only one, I didn't want to follow. I want to follow the Savior. So that's one thing I would encourage our listeners to do: is cultivate your relationship with Christ, cultivate joy of that relationship. The second thing is, you uh, you know, um, trust God to take the the seed and the message. I can't I can't explain to you how many people come to us and they you find that someone heard the gospel and they became believers six months later. Wow. Others, maybe a year later, others yeah. six years later. And so we trust him that he is building his church. Yeah.
0: Fuad, let me jump in one more time. Crescentproject.org is the website. Uh, crescentproject.org. And the event is coming up in uh, October 22 through 24. Fuad will be speaking there. Tell all your friends that live in the Nashville area. Fuad, thanks for doing the show. Thank you. Yep. Thanks for That wraps up our show, and thank you so much for Thanks supporting Thanks for listening. Faith Radio. Programming and, uh, like this is made available you through your support. Information available at myfaithradio.com.